right, we're back with problematic. It's been uh, probably a month or so, but so we finished talking episode what part three about everything that was going on with some of the the violence in the, the area we were living in, <laughs> mostly caused by us. But um, so we were talking. Yeah, the, the resistance, the, the, the movement, res- resistance. <laughs> yep, loud easy stones. It was interesting. Metal pipes and rocks, you know, it goes a long way. Uh, so we're going to get into open case being formed and then the end of your journey in the music business as an artist. I'm sure you dabble in some things still today, so we'll get into that at the end of this interview. But if you want to, uh, you know, start it off, talk about forming Yeah, I think where we left case. off... Uh it was kind of like the transition from politics into open case. And it was just you and I kind of, uh, in the beginning. <clears throat> and, uh, there was a point where I think you and I formed open case and we were, we had did a little bit of a tour. Um, and we were touring with a band called Hexra. I don't know if we talked much about. Yeah. I think uh, we just Hexra. talked about a little tiny story about stack. I think at one point, but we yeah. didn't really talk about yeah. what Hexerai was really or anything like that. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to classify them as, like metal. I would say metal, like you know. Uh, I think they they ended up getting a, some kind of record deal, so they were doing they were doing pretty good. They were drawing big crowds and stuff in the in the New Hampshire Upper Valley area, Claremont area. And I thought they um, did a like a festival or some sort of thing, like in Chicago or something like that, with a group of bands. They, and- they made some moves. They definitely made some moves, but. Uh, they were they kind of wanted to open up their audience so they brought you and i in. and i remember you and i the first show we did with them was the halloween show great show yep uh and it was at a, a like a funeral home <laughs> i think no it was more like one of those lodges like an elks lodge kind of shit yeah you know? yeah but they <laughs> they actually they do funerals there too i'm sure i'm, I'm sure they kidding. do i'm sure they do they do but I remember uh, doing that show and the thing that fucking stood out and it was kind of like a, a preamble to what happened later. And we already talked about what happened later with that group and the fallout with that group. True. Uh, when our, when our, when we expanded the size of our group. But uh, I remember the first show when we kicked off our set there. Um, I think in the, like the first song we popped off, I remember hearing from a voice from the back of this crowd in you know in this in this elks club uh saying get that n-word shit out of here or something right. like that and then yeah. like one of the one of the saddest moments i think uh you know i've ever ever had in my career in a live performance like just being disappointed in the area you know yeah and then we talked about it before uh when we stopped you know performing with those guys when they they uh you know the comments they said about our homie stack yeah. uh when we were you know we had to cancel a show on them but I remember doing that show with you. That was one of our, I would say, you know, most polished shows in the beginning. Yeah, I think we um, put a lot of work into that creatively, and uh... we did. Yeah, you know, we we rehearsed. It was one of the first times we rehearsed for a show. That band actually had a like a rehearsal rehearsal space that we used, which was really, really dope with them. I mean, I mean, even though you know the you know the fallout at the at the time where. I, I needed that quite a bit was the ability to, you know, <laughs> say your words on stage, not just record yeah. record songs, which is a 
I'd say for any artist is something that you'd really want to be at the top of your list of accomplishments to be able to do a live show properly. Not just though, I think still even today, the biggest acts, well, not the best acts like Jay-Z is, has no background vocals at all. Barely once or two, one or two, like during a, a verse, but you got to breathe sometimes. Yeah, we had to learn a lot too. I remember going, you know, in the first couple performances before that, just going in there with instrumentals and, and trying to keep time, right? Yeah, without a without a backing track, without any backing vocals. And there were times that we had that shit, and it didn't work with the sound system, and it sounded bad. It sounded mm-hmm. like we were over bad. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, you go through those things as a live live performing artist, but. Um, so I remember it was it was me and you, and we were doing some tours. Do you remember? Uh, kind of walking around Claremont with like posters and flyers. We made these first open case flyers that had the hex hexerai on them, had us on them. Yep. Yep. Uh, and handing out CDs at like Walmart, I think it was like, Oh, we definitely went out there. No doubt. Yep. Cause I walking think that's where around. most of those shows we did were in that, their area more in the Claremont area. Yeah. yeah. Um, cause there really wasn't much else going on. Uh, down here, just the, the craziest thing, right? <laughs> the amount of yeah. actual work we actually got to do in that area where there's absolutely nothing except for like two or three venues to perform at was it's, it's still kind of amazing. Yeah, I mean, and then there was more than just, uh, I mean, they, there was like that Imperial Dragon down there that people were performing at. There was quite a bit in that area, but Claremont's grimy as shit, you know? It is, it is. Uh, it's so very, it's Clamrock. It's Clamron is grimy, so I felt like, and so is Windsor. You know, they're like twin sisters, uh, twin sister towns. You know, except Windsor doesn't. You know, Windsor's a little a lot smaller than Claremont or whatever. But yeah, so I remember during that era, it was just me and you. We were open case. Um, you had just kind of, we had both kind of broken away from like living in the same spots, and. I think, you know, both of us had went and li- we were living with some different chicks or whatever. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we were trying to do shit creatively. Pussy parking. I remember at the, yeah, pussy parking. <laughs> <laughs> I remember at, I remember at the time, uh, I, I think I was just, I was trying to get away from the beef. It still was kind of lingering. I mean, you were still living of, right. I mean, we hadn't like left the area uh, where it was surviving. So going to the store still was a, a task. Yeah, I mean, I think you were still living in Windsor. I had kind of moved away a little bit for a little oh, yeah, while, yeah. got evicted, got evicted in another town, then came back into Windsor, uh, and then eventually moved out towards Heartland or whatever later on. But um, eventually, uh, I ended up picking up um, a couple other artists, sort of picking up. I remember there was a point in this, it's really funny, because uh, back in the SoundClick days, I remember um, I had gotten on SoundClick and there was a point in time when I had over a million plays. Oh, yeah. uh, Over a million plays overnight. And I had literally, I thought I was like, this is it. This is it. Like, I remember the chick I was with at the time, I ended up saying, like, taking her on a vacation. I was like, let's enjoy this last moment together. (laughs) (laughs) This guy's out of here. Yeah. Yep. In my head, I'm thinking, you know, this is it. This is it, you know? The Learjet's coming. I was number one on the unsigned artist list Mm -hmm. uh, on, like, on three or four different categories with my songs. And I was like, holy fuck. You know, like, this is it. This is it. I'm going to go. We're going to go on a little vacation. Like, see you ma you know like you know Maddox out of here 
I, I really thought shit was going. Yeah. Um, and there were, there were, were some connections made. I remember after it, cause nothing really ended up happening. I'd like, I didn't make shit out of it and it, it, it fizzled away very quickly. And that's, um, but one of the things, was that anything that of, you know, that was the cause of that? Like what, how did that happen? I don't know what anything, you don't know any kind of background to how that all worked out. I don't know. I probably, I probably entered the right keyword in my fucking oh, profile nice. search yeah. or some shit. Who knows? I have no idea. I mean, but uh, one of the only things, one of the only things that came out of it that was memorable um, at the at the immediate moment was there was an artist in Double XL. Uh, his name was Diadem, <laughs> and he was he was a rapper with no arms and no legs. Yeah, Dia, the dialect. Di- yeah, I thought his name was like Diadem. Could I mean, like he's that, had a lot of names, but he had uh, he had no arms and no legs. He was just like a slug. Yep, and. Uh, and he, he toured around with this other like white dude. They're yeah. both white dudes from Connecticut. Yeah, and, that's uh, big, that's and I static or big static or something like that. I can't remember. I had, yeah, I'd seen them in Double XL. You know, and I was an avid reader of Double oh, XL. Big stat, the that's his that. name. I've met both of those guys. I my uh, when I lived in West Lebanon, I went down to uh, Windsor Locks, Connecticut, with a guy I went to high school with, and the film crew that did. Uh, they were doing a documentary on them. So I met them all and I uh, met Method Man that trip and shit like that. So I got to see them do a show just like we were doing. They did a show with like 10 people in New York City. Wow. <laughs> that, yeah, so that's tough. But Well, when I, when I blew up on SoundClick, they immediately got a hold of me. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, you know, I thought that was just it. This is here it comes, you know, here it comes. And, uh. And then uh, they wanted to collaborate with me. I don't think I ended up collaborating with them. I don't know what ended up happening uh, with that. But I, I still have all the screen captures of all my, like, number one songs on SoundCloud. <laughs> Hell yeah, yeah. Uh, just uh, saved them. You know, number one artist, number one unsigned artist in the world, if not, you know, for a week or whatever. Uh, right up there with DZK and all that shit. <laughs> but I distinctly remember going on vacation with the chick I was with with at the time and being like you know this is it enjoy me honey like i'm going i'm going to the top like and you're not coming with me so let's and then that ended up not being the case but that uh during that those numbers remind me of when i got bought this app for um it was like myspace or something else that it would like add our plays like it was a bot back in the day yeah I would, I would just like 20, rack up the plays. Yeah, I just racked up the plays. So I think all of our MySpace songs had like 15 or 50 million plays and shit like that. Oh, Jesus. It was wow. great. It was great. So MySpace was a different. That's another. That's probably a podcast on its own, just MySpace of all the Yeah, rats. the younger listeners rat, are going to be like, what's MySpace? Oh, man. Good stuff there. But anyway, so, uh, so around the vacation time, and then you're, you're back from vacation. I, I come back from my, you know, this is it. A buy Upper Valley vacation, and uh, I uh, this guy Mark call you know gets a hold of me, and he he is like engaged in beef with some of the enemies that I have, um, and he's already like he sends me his link to a SoundClick page, and he's already got disses to this the same guys that I have been getting in the shit with, and I'm trying to transition away from beef at this time, you know, and and you weren't really getting wrapped up in it, you were doing your own thing trying to. You know, get your I think second album, uh, you know, pushed out or third album pushed out. Yeah, third one. Uh, Evo- Ev- no, Evolution of the Gun was the second one. Your third album. You're trying to get your third album pushed yeah, I think out. That's you're the, doing your own thing. I think that's the Gangster Love. <clears throat> yeah. Which I released quite a bit 
uh, probably that was like a two year project, but it was just uh, it was just about learning. I was just growing as an artist, just trying to figure out what I was going to do. I think eventually I sold you my old uh, computer mixer. Yeah, and you the had mic. the you had the Omega, you had the Omega and the mic, and I had I had got a I got a different one. I still have. Then eventually have ended mic up still. No shit. But I don't use it. But I still have it. That's memorabilia now. Oh yeah, it's absolutely. Up. It's got to be worth ten bucks on eBay. <clears throat> I had a, a pretty decent setup. I ended up selling it all when I started recording later with Brooke or whatever because I was just done sound engineering at that point. Yeah. But, uh, that we're not quite there yet, but. Uh, so Mark, this guy markets, you know, I find, I find him and he's got this other, uh, kid, Corey, who is spitting with him and they're going after the same dudes that I, I've been going after. Oh, I forget about and this I'm, kid, Corey. <clears throat> yeah. Rest in peace, Corey yeah. too. Um, yeah, he's an interesting character, but, uh, so I find out that they're already, they're riding, they've got a whole album and they're riding on my enemies, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, all right, you know, so of course I'm jumping in on this. Right. And it made, made it everybody that I was going against squirm in their fucking boots or whatever. So I end up meeting with this Mark guy. And apparently I had like met him before he knew who I was, but I really didn't know who he was. He was a little bit younger than me. And, uh, I meet with this Corey kid who's a Lebanon kid who I've never met before in my life. And I go over and I, I record a few tracks for their album. They th did this album called the beach Jackers mixtape. And, uh, <clears throat> immediately Mark and I hit it off. And Mark's MC MC name is Mr. Rose. So and this you know, Corey kid. What's the hitting off? Like yep. what say like, you know, what what do you mean like you hit it off? What was it that you drew what did you see in him or uh just a, like a variation uh of a style. Um and we just we immediately got down and started we wrote a couple tracks and uh <clears throat> and it, they turned out really, really good. We did the song called Guns and Roses. Yep, remember and, that. And uh it's still it's still one of my favorite collaboration tracks roses guns oh. I'm, i mean i know that i had to do a lot of background myself back, on yeah that, so. uh back in the deck gets cracked in the flesh and y'all so whack when you rep that the masses of death yeah i love that shit yeah uh, it was over a tony tony yayo beat tony yayo so and then we end up remixing a couple other tracks that i had done on my album previously and added them onto these beef records that i had already had and we end up putting out this they end up putting out this record and i end up being featured on it so i'm like all right so cool cool so they did that for a while and then so now i had these two guys pushing out records that i was on and i was pushing out records too um and i didn't really have anything of my own at the at that immediate moment um but Rose and I end up hitting it off and this Corey guy ends up kind of like fading to the, to the back of the picture. Um, and this Corey guy, I'm trying to get his name was like Imperial link or something like that. Now, now did they live um, together in that apartment? Like in white river? Nah, I mean, no disrespect. I mean, I think fucking, I think Corey was just kind of a couch surfing bum, you know, like at the time just living from couch yeah, to couch and, and Mark, it was Mark, you. it was Mark and, uh, in his, his girlfriend at the time, uh, it was their apartment. It was like down next to the CCB. Yeah, I just remember that weird, like it was a weird long hallway. Like it was something weird about that apartment. It was, it was tiny as shit. Like had a slant it was to like, it, like the roof or ceiling. Yeah, I don't remember that one. I mean, oh, I you must you must be talking about the one that was upstairs in downtown White River, probably. Okay, yeah, that's it. And I, I ended up I ended up living in one of the in one of the bedrooms there with Mark at one point. Maybe that's what I remember it for. Yeah. yeah, it was probably that one. Uh, they had a tiny ass kitchen. And he walk in, uh, yeah, because he used to hang out there, man. They, they Mark had like a bed in the living room. Oh, uh, believe me, you know, I, 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 I used to. I, I picked you up there one time, and there was like, 
Don't worry. Broads don't everywhere. Say, don't say that yeah. kind of stories here. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's you know exactly. The story, motherfucker. I know the story. I, I was there. Up. I was fucking there, man. Uh, yeah, I mean. But, uh, so Mark's living with his girl. Corey's on the couch. There's like a fucking pit bull tearing shit up. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I'm rec- I recorded these songs with these guys. So eventually, uh, Corey kind of fades to the background and kind of disappears. Uh, he ended up getting with like a, uh, some Af- Afghani girl. He ends up marrying this Afghan, Afghani girl. I could be wrong. She could be Pakistani or, or something, but, okay. and, uh, I think he ends up like converting to, to Muslim or something like that. Damn. And then he just disappears. He just disappears. Like out of, he's out of the picture. I don't really, I can't accurately speak on what happened to him, but he eventually died kind of tragically. Um, you know, you know, doing stuff he shouldn't, but right. I won't really speak too much about the rest of that out of respect, but, uh, I hadn't seen him in a long time, but anyways, we end up, you know, that guy kind of bails on Rose and, and we, uh, we end up kind of adopting Rose into open case. And that's when, uh, Mr. Rose enters the open case. And then I'm trying to think he had, he had a project of his own. I don't even know if he ever put out. I don't think he's ever really released his own solo album. I could be wrong. I want to say there was I think a, he had, wasn't there something with a rose on it? Wasn't that a cover to something? I don't think he ever fully released his own album because we ended up jumping into um, Get Rich or Die Rhyme. Oh, that's what it was, was, the pushing of that tape. I remember that. Yeah, that was eventually what we ended up taking him in from that Beat Jackass mixtape. And then we all three of us kind of got together and pushed into that. And even Get Rich or Die Rhyme was kind of a an eclectic mix of things that we'd all been doing on our own. Yeah, um, I was. That's I, all. I definitely remember the heavy G Unit influence at that time. Probably just yeah. a lot of music, just because of you know how big they were. But but uh, before that even happened, I remember we were we did a little bit of touring, and you and I you set up a gig at you started the Positive Pie gigs, and uh, Rose got to kind of come and watch us perform there and get kind of the the bearings of what it's like to be a live performer. And that was before, this is all before the bread truck, you know, collaboration and all that shit. But, uh, and then eventually we set up a show there. I think it was just you, me and him. And he, you remember he, he, he bounced on us. Oh yeah. He, like sent oh, us, yeah. he got in his car, sent us a text. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm out of here. Like, okay. We got it. He, he eventually ended up performing when we got into like the bread truck era. But, um, yeah, I can't. I don't. I'm, I think that might have been like DJ Scratch from the Roots, maybe that he bailed on us, or or it could have been a different one because there were a couple times where we just kind of shot up there and, and we're like we're coming and we're performing, be ready for us. Yeah. And then there were a, a few times that we were opening up for major acts. Yeah, I kind of wish was, after uh... this. Kind of wish after this week that Bismarcky had been one of them. You know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He did. He, I'm he, sure he did a few shows in Burlington that I never caught, but. Body. I could see him at Positive Pie, you know, but totally. Oh, absolutely. Nice little venue. But, uh, yeah, and I remember, I can't remember if it was that time when Rose bounced on us that we, so we were downstairs in in the Positive Pie, like, basement where they keep all their, like, canned goods and tomato sauce and shit. And we're down in what they call the green room. Oh, yeah. And we're we're trying to get high. And uh, there was that weird dude who came solo with his chick, and I think he ended up being, like, he was he's the fucking worst rapper I think I've ever seen let <laughs> on stage. 
um, I forgot what his name was. He was the like goofy fucker, like awkward, weird, and like he ended up. I ended up getting somebody sent me a link like a couple years later. Like he ended up getting busted for like molestation or maybe aggravated assault or some shit like that. But I remember we were we're down in there with this guy and a, a few other artists, and we're trying to get you know smoke weed, and we ended up getting booted out of there. They're like, "No, nah, this ain't like that. This ain't the green room like that." I'm like, "What are you, what are you talking about?" Okay, <laughs> this is what happens here. Yep, you wanted us to come play. We're artists. This is what we do. We get fucking high right. in some room in your establishment. But uh, yeah, I remember. You know, I remember thinking after that night when Rose bounced that. Maybe things aren't going to work out here. Uh, you know, he, he guess he's just going to be a studio artist or whatever. But he ended up coming around um, when we started doing the open, uh, the bread truck open case stuff, which which was right around the corner. Yeah, he was. Um, he, it, it's sad that it took so long because he has he has such a presence that you think it would have been really good to see that on stage more than I actually did. People, people love big guys who can spit. You know? Absolutely, they, they do. Like big pun, big papa, like that big, Joe, big, uh, <laughs> big dude. Yeah, uh, just big guys. It, yeah, there's one thing that I learned hanging out with with Rose all those years was, uh, all those years I never saw him throw a punch, I never saw him fight anybody. Mm-hmm. And there's one the one thing I learned from him during that whole time was just bark loud, bark loud, and you can get out of most of the physical altercations that well, he did have the perfect voice for that not just his stature yeah but the, he had the, his voice on a record just especially it was just so grimy and dirty every time we ended up someone you know looked at us wrong or someone even started going to problem you just get out and he's like <laughs> yeah. what the fuck you want to fucking die and you just go you know and just flip off the handle and the person wouldn't be ready for it and they just back away so i think from then on <laughs> you i just like just zero to 100 real quick zero to 100 and if you go zero to 100 people aren't ready for it yeah. and you can avoid the whole altercation i used that trick for years <laughs> i would see somebody who had a problem with me and they start, you know, screw facing, and, and I just hop out of the car, and I'm just like, "The fuck you looking at?" And this, it's over before it even began. Like this is the greatest thing I ever learned from Rose. That's good. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then, uh, and then, not too long after, we kind of did the three man open case, and I remember the Get Rich or Die rhyme, and you remember the uh, album cover? Oh yeah, big photo the first, shoot. The chinchilla. The chinchilla, and, uh, that fucking thing. I barely got rid of that like two years ago. I was wearing the uh, Ricky Williams jersey. Yep. Because he was the weed smoking. Were you like holding onto the fence or something, weren't you? No, uh, that was, we did a photo shoot down down in some broken down, abandoned building, buildings, places oh, yeah, in Lebanon. Yeah. A bunch of places. Had like yeah. the Machiavelli shirt and Yankees hat and all that shit. I sent you those photos, right? Yeah. But yeah, though I don't think those pictures were even in the album cover. But the album cover was like the three of us standing. Oh yeah, there. I know. The, yeah, I remember the picture. It was like blue and black or something like that. Blue, black, and white. And I think it was like the maybe the Goodfellas. Uh, <laughs> yes, it definitely was. Order, order on it. Yeah. You know, the mixtape in like black and white. You had the chinchilla on, <laughs> and uh, I forgot what Rose was doing. He probably had a cutoff T-shirt or something. We <laughs> for that for that album. Big dudes, you know, they're comfortable in cutoffs, you know. I love being cutoff. I, every shirt. He was I always wearing the cutoff T-shirts, man. But we, we, I think, I, I don't know if it's official or not, but I think we had like the first Vermont rap video. I don't know if anybody can can confirm that. 
but I'm pretty sure that nobody else had a rap video in Vermont before we did. Yeah, I got to think about what it, time that was, like what year that was. Uh, you're probably talking like 2006, five or six. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. 2006, because 2008 is when all of it kind of stopped. You know, that's like the end of the show, end of the whole road for me at least. And, uh, pretty close to that. I know you, you guys went on for a little bit. I don't know if Rose actually went on and did much after that, but um, <clears throat> so right right after we formed Open Case, the three of us. Um, Things were still like not good between me and all the other artists. Like Bread Truck and I, I don't think we were still making records against each other, but things weren't good, you know. And I had never even really, honestly, at that point, I had never even met these people. Yeah, me you know, neither. Truck. I was gonna say, like, even through all of this, there was like maybe the only people that we actually met were the people that we actually physically saw. I never saw any of these other artists because they didn't do shows. I don't. I never saw them do shows or heard about any shows they were doing. So. Wasn't on my yeah, radar. I, I didn't lay eyes on Brooke, which also known as Ill Defined. I think until I walked into his like studio. <laughs> yeah. You know, I had I had made records about the guy and gone back and forth on wax with him, but I had never seen him uh, until I'd actually walked in his studio. And I I had envisioned somebody completely different because this is you know this is before social media when you can just you know type in somebody's name and be like you know who the fuck is this kid and then look at their photos from the last 10 years you know uh, so I, I didn't even know what to expect when i saw this kid and i just heard him on wax so when i actually saw him i looked at him and i was like this is the kid this is the kid that's been like pissing me off <laughs> no, yeah. uh, he, he's not he's not an intimidating looking dude he's he's funny he's goofy and he's, he's not like you would think he is on on records or whatever but yeah either way you're going to um, be surprised in that situation and so yeah, I. and I, I think people were probably surprised when they heard me. You know, when they saw me, I mean, you know, if they if they hadn't laid eyes on me already, right? And they'd enjoyed my records, and even when I show up, as uh, as g'd up as I was for a lot of those years, you know, I was a pretty g looking dude for a while. But um, you know, I certainly probably surprised some people when they matched the voice to the, the name. And I'd I'd been you know over the years I had actually been around people. And they were like, yeah, yeah, you know, you know, you know, problematic. He's like my favorite rapper. And I'm like sitting on the couch, like smoking weed. Yeah, yeah exactly. Hour. And I'm like, yeah, I know the dude. I know the dude. Yeah, I see him and like every everyone, 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 everyone in the room is smiling, you know, and looking at each other kind of, you know, out of the side eye. And then I'm like, hey, man, that's me. And he's like, what? Yeah. Psh, yeah. You know, and like, yeah, no, and everyone in the room's like, yeah, that's him. That's him. You know, I've had those moments, too, where people, you know they put you on this pedestal because they like your music, you know, but so after we formed open case, we did a, a little bit of touring Rose never really performed. That was kind of, you know, that was a little problematic, you know, no pun intended, but, right. um, and then something happened. So there was like this, I was at a gas station and this was like a month before the turning point for when kind of all the beef ended up being squashed um, or maybe it was, yeah, it was like, it was like, this is like, like a month before this happens. I'm at this gas station and there's a, a dude that I grew up with. who was basically like a little brother to me. Um, this kid named Jamie or J law. Oh and yeah. He, he is in a car. Uh, he's, he's at a car at a gas station and he has this dude that I had, I've had a long standing beef with. And, 
I jump out of the car, you know, Mr. Rose style, and just walk right up to the window, like, roll the fucking window down, get the fuck out of the car, you know, doing everything Rose taught me, embarking, you know. And this dude fucking rolls up the window and he, he pulls a fucking handgun and he just sits it on his he sits it on his lap and he and I'm just looking at the handgun I'm like oh shit like I'm cool like I see how it is you know bitch and then I get back in my car and that's it so like for the next month or whatever I end up talking to J-Lo uh, J-Law and uh, you know I'm like you I'm like you need to stop hanging out with this bitch ass motherfucker like he tried to pull a gun on me. He was in your car, and it goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then, you know, he ends up being like, you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna pick sides in between you and this and that, blah 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 blah. So and then like, I don't know, two months, two months down the line, J Law ends up getting in a car accident and dying right. tragic. Mm-hmm. So we, we're all kind of forced to kind of deal with it, you know. And part of the grieving process, we decided that we're gonna make a record, and uh, but we want to make it a good record. And there's there's a bunch of different people that are involved through Jamie that were connected that connected both sides of the bridge, and we were kind of forced to you know put shit aside and work on this you know memorial song that we did for him. Um, the kid that pulled the gun on me he ended up just not being able to swallow his pride and didn't he just refused to get on the record. Um, but the record ended up being engineered. Uh, by Brooke or ill-defined from bread truck the, the lead the lead guy in bread truck and it ended up the chorus ended up being sang by the lead singer in bread truck J bus yeah. um, so that kind of ended the tensions between open case myself and bread truck and and the long-standing you know it, it had gone on for like I don't know like four years three or four years something like that and it involved people like trying to run up in my house and you know all sorts of shit and just just vicious vicious shit on on records um back and forth mostly shit that isn't even true you know because like i said i didn't even i didn't even know these guys you know i had i had people in their circle feeding me shit about them and i'm sure there were people you know that were around me that were or knew me or knew people that knew me that were feeding them shit about me and people were playing on both sides of the fence or whatever but we end up getting down on this record for j-law um and it it starts off with like a, his his voicemail from the last phone he had before he died or whatever and then it goes into this chorus that j-bus sings and then the rappers on it were me this kid andrew and uh this kid benny who neither of neither of which were even really in in the scene at that point they right. just kind of just good friends they were jamie. amateurs who were really you know um close to jamie so i was the only like professional rapper on it so in the writing process i helped those two guys kind of get their verses down i think jay bus wrote his chorus um he kind of just added that on there um i think i had uh i used my chorus as like the intro or whatever but anyways long story short uh, they end up playing it at this like memorial basketball tournament. It ends up being kind of a fixture for I don't know five or six years or maybe oh, yeah, more. JBL, baby, got the jersey right here with me. Until they uh, until they canceled that tournament and kind of you know let it kind of go. So, yeah. but uh, from there we end up there's there's still some people that are kind of hating on uh, on my camp, and at that point they start hating on Bread Truck too. 
but as far as the beef goes, I, like at that point, the old beefs are kind of over, and now it's open case and bread truck as one unit. And I think bread truck at the time had three MCs, and we had three, so there was like a total of six of us, and maybe maybe a couple extras here and there. I can't remember. So I'm thinking J bus stack ill defined. Yeah, that's all I Mr. can. Mr. Rose, Reese, forty-five, and me. Yeah, um, I think six was the core. So now all of a sudden we have, you know, six MCs uh, in one group. Um, Brooke was kind of like me, where he was, you know, the one kind of driving the ship and kind of, you know, pushing pushing the, you know, the, the groups. Uh, so him and I were kind of, you know, he was he was he was now the engineer. In the, rec- the place where we were recorded and it's phenomenal you know our music never sounded better uh than it did at that point you know until he started recording it so that was sweet <clears throat> um and we end up kind of finishing our project get rich or die rhyming under his direction um under his engineering he remasters a few of the tracks that we already had done and that we recorded some more um, and then ended up doing some extra shit with them as well. Yeah, we had um, the uh, we had the Norwich show where I incited the riot. Yeah, before that though, before I think it was before that. It might have been after. Uh, I think it was before. So the whole Wolfpack drama. So there was uh, <laughs> <laughs> there was some dudes I can't even remember the guys now, but uh, I think I sent you a message before. But one, there were these two rappers. I think maybe the guys three, from I can't New Hampshire, two guys from New Hampshire. They, yeah, one one's name was Weapon Three or something like that, and he he's actually dead too. I think he was oh, just wow. kind of like overweight, and I think he was older anyways. Uh, he was like pretty old at that point anyways, but he was an old school guy, uh, and he's dead now too. Like I think I, I, I'm pretty sure. But uh, the other guy, I'm not even going to say his name because he's a fucking joke, but he ended up turning into a, he went from a rapper to like a major right-wing influencer. Like oh, crazy this Trump. guy. Yeah, I sent you the links on that yeah, guy, I, right? Yeah, I see, I performed with him my last show I did because he was part, he was in a group with um, the kid that I was uh, mentoring or like, you know, <laughs> I, I don't even know how you say it, but um in my basement in Lebanon. No one I was recording that down there. You met him a few times, a few times. Yeah. They called this. Yeah. Shiv was the guy you were. Yeah. Shiv. Yeah. But, uh, it was yeah. like, uh, shit. He's Il- on that Il- record. Dilligaff or something like that. That's what the name group of that name of their group was. Yeah. That Shiv guys on the, one of the records you sent me a couple weeks ago. Right. Oh uh, yeah. 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 I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But this guy's name, his name was lockdown at the point at, yeah. the, at that point. Yeah. Um, lockdown or whatever. Again, people I've never so, seen before. Yeah. Uh, but at the time, there was some like 60 year old man who I guess was having a midlife crisis, went through divorce. I guess he bought a Hummer and decided he was going to start a record label. And he ends up giving these guys, I'm going to use my air quotes now. You can't see him over the audio, but I'm using my air quotes. He gives them a, a record deal. And they're, so they're all gassed up thinking that, you know, they're good and their music was horrible um but so they ended up throwing this show and i can't remember what the fuck they called themselves the wolf pack or whatever i'm pretty sure the wolf pack and i can't remember what the name of the the record company this guy was you know he got a divorce or whatever and 
you know, wanted to hang out with some young guys and, and get fucked up again or yeah. whatever he was doing with his Epstein life at that style. point. Epstein style. But <laughs> so they ended up having that show. They had a show at like, uh, I don't know, another fucking like Elks Lodge kind of place. And they had an artist from Jam and 94.5. You remember that one? Well, I know that there, well, I can't remember the uh, DJ there. Vince One or something? Maybe, yeah, Vince One was was backing these guys too from uh, 97.1. And there was an artist from 94.5, Boston's Jam and 94.5. Oh, Boston's, was like, okay. Boston's Jam and 94.5 who came up to like be the opening, to be the main act, and they were going to open for him. So it was one of the first shows we kind of, got into with the bread truck open case thing um and we we got invited to the show with under the premise that we were going to have a set and we get to this show and we we promote the show not not as hard as we promote our own shows but we let everybody that's into our shit know and they come to this show you know i would say you know we probably drew you know almost half of the crowd they had there maybe you know was there to see our two groups yep um, and the fact that it, and then maybe the second half, or you know, somewhere in there, wanted to come see the Boston artists or whatever. But it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a packed house or anything. It was wasn't that big of an event. But we get there, and we're on top of these guys. Like you know, when are we going on? When are we going on? And they're telling us, you know, you're going on here, you're going on there. No, actually, we got to move you back. They're jerking us around all fucking night, and we we end up getting impatient, and we start, you know getting kind of short with these dudes and jay bus ends up getting in a fucking argument with this with the midlife crisis record producer right <laughs> and he, i remember he put him he pushed him over a table all of a sudden i think things are cool there's some verbal shit going on jay bus and, and the rest of us are angry as well but not as angry as he was he's angry that there's no set all of a sudden they tell us sorry we you're not performing tonight there's no time for it or whatever and I see Jay Buss like lay this guy out across one of those fucking tables and all of a sudden all hell breaks loose, right? Shit's fucking mo furniture's moving. Everything's kind of swirling around. People are disgruntled. You know, everyone's been drinking. Next thing you know, I go out in the parking lot and like Rose, I think he had a chair or something, but he's in a crowd of, he's in a crowd of people and he's swinging something. He's just backing dudes up. People are trying to get at him. He's in the middle of a large group of people and shit's going down. The police are already there. I don't know if the whole event got shut down. It may or may not have, um, but we, we definitely had to leave. <laughs> but that, that started the beef with them. So that was like the open case bread truck. That was now all of a sudden it's, it's us versus them. So we end up, uh, you probably have this record somewhere, but we end up going in um, all six of us go in on this no chorus diss track um and we end up just hanging these guys out to dry and then not too long after that we give them the we give them the record we didn't even put it out on a cd or not we just kind of sent them the record like here fucking eat this dickheads you know and their fucking manager called us do you remember like were you in the studio when the guy came and wanted to do like a phone conference with us and I wanted to offer us record I don't, deals i don't even remember doing that show we didn't do the show. We no, went to the show. No, I don't even they remember didn't, didn't any of that happening. They didn't allow us at the show. Uh, they fucked us over. But we ended up, up making that diss track, you know, 
uh, with all six of us on it. You're on the diss track, so I want to say if I'm on it, am I the first person on it? Yeah, you might be. You might have the first verse on it, maybe. I'm. I got the last verse because I'm like my verse is like I'm gonna show you what a Uzi can do to a Kooji. Somebody better get me a Lucy. It soothes me. Yeah, I have. So that. Say, Definitely yeah, have that. It just boosts me. But uh, yeah, and then uh, even stacks on it, like where we all went in on it. But the the fucking the manager of this group ends up calling us after we put this record out, basically like waving the white flag, like let's all let's all be friends. And uh, and he asks us if we want nope. contract. He asks us if we want to be signed on his record label. And then he says, okay, okay. And he's like, so how much to do a track with these artists that we just dissed? He's like, how how much? You know, would you, will you, will it cost to get you guys to collaborate with us? <laughs> and I get on the I get on the phone and I'm like, we want to we want a G per person for each one of us each one of our G verses on this <laughs> we want a G we want a thousand dollars per person. And they basically, you know, he can't afford it because he wasn't a real real legit record producer. Yeah. But that was pretty much the end of that. I don't know if they ever responded back with anything but it, that the, those couple of those guys ended up morphing into the, the people that you later worked around or whatever Dillagaff or whatever yeah but I just then, did a show with them that's all I mean I didn't even yeah. realize it was that person when I was I mean like I said never <laughs> I never associated with anybody any artist unless I knew who they were like I, I didn't, or I, nor did I care about any other artist if I didn't know who they were in real, like in real life. Just hearing somebody on a track like that to me, that even if they were saying my name sideways, eventually, in in my career, I just didn't even care about that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh yeah. The uh, the guy locked down from that group, the Wolf Pack. He ended up becoming like a crazy right wing conspiracy theorists trump puppet like unbelievably yeah it's, it's just a fucked up thing man so fucked up he, he catapulted himself he ended up like getting some kind of fox news coverage right so he, he did something controversial in claremont at like a rally or, or something like that he ended up running for he, like, oh, some office he ran, or something, public office he, he ran and maybe maybe won some kind of town office in claremont city I can't council remember. or something but i mean we we know at this point in the podcast that Claremont, you know, sorry, Claremont, but you're, you're full of fucking white supremacists and Nazis and racist fucking bigots. You have, you have bones, you have bones in you, Claremont of racism and bigotry and it ain't going to fucking change. And that's why people like this, you know, can thrive and get votes and get a fucking public office. And that's why, you know, Donald fucking Trump can win that town and County, uh, but anyways, whatever. But this guy Tra- ends up getting trailing like, off there. <laughs> this guy ends He's up. He's got a little anger, yeah. folks. Let him out. Yeah, I mean, I fucking hate people like that. I know. You know especially it's, it's especially just ignorant. ignorance. This guy, you know, having spent, I don't know, I don't know how many years he spent, you know, trying to do hip hop culture, like. Yeah, but that's the difference, man. That's the difference because you can, you know, respect what you're doing or just do something to try to, you know, make some money off of it. And then you jump on you jump on that fucking ship trying to get famous like that's despicable, that's despicable. Yeah, he's got no uh, qualities I want to be a part of, so I'm out. I'm all right nah. with it. Guy doesn't have any, so we, doesn't live rent free in my brain. Nah. Unfortunately, you know he lived in mine for a little while, but <laughs> seeing that just, every day he pops up on his page, see what he's doing. 
No, not anymore. During during the Trump. But uh, I've definitely seen the motherfucker out there, and it's it's despicable. So we end end up – it's the Bread Truck Open Case Show, and we end up doing a couple shows with Bread Truck. Um, We did two albums total with them. And uh, we did a, we did some positive pie gigs. We did a show in Norwich, um, which is one of the most memorable shows that I think I've ever done. Yeah, that was not a, because no, yeah, not, not because not it was for, particularly for, good. Yeah. One of the worst, best shows ever. I yeah. mean, I don't know a lot. A lot of people can't say that this shit has happened to them, but we get invited to go do this college, and it's uh, keep in mind for those that don't know, Nor Norwich is like a. A military and civilian college so you have some people there who are in the military basically like the play military and this is norwich kids. vermont just to let the people know it's not it's not norwich vermont it's actually northfield vermont norwich university so it's a little well, i'm saying okay Nor- norwich in uh, norwich university or college in vermont in vermont yeah so there's a, a mix of like cadets you know, guys that show up in uniform, you know, get yelled at every day, got to yeah. fold their underwear. Emotionally deprived square. humans at that point, probably. <laughs> and then there's a mix of, you know, the fucking civilians surrounding them. Um, and their kids, too. I, I went on their college kids at this time, too. We're a little bit. They're college kids. And we're, I'm almost 30, probably. We're pretty much. Just maybe. Yeah, I mean, I think I was probably 23, 24, oh, maybe somewhere okay. in there. So you got to date me, motherfucker. It wasn't uh, it wasn't that young. I mean, it wasn't that old. But we were older than these college kids. Still, still young enough to hook up with college broads. So, oh, sure, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And that was, I think, that was part of the the reason why the riot started. But we get invited <laughs> to do this gig with Eric, and there's keep in mind there's six of us now. So when we get a paid gig, uh, we each get like twenty five bucks or something like that. Hey, getting something paid like that. better know. than you know, it's gas money. It, it's better than nothing, right? Absolutely. So we end up doing this gig, and I think maybe Eric Eric G might have paid us two hundred fifty bucks or three fifty or five hundred. I can't even remember. No, I think it was like two fifty. Uh, yeah, probably somewhere in there. Um, so we end up going to this gig, and it's like open bar. It's in like a gymnasium uh, or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, big ass gymnasium. Right. Yeah. We end up bringing quite the crew with us. We got oh, yeah. a couple like killers in the crew, a couple got, thugs in the got crew, some ladies. Got some ladies in the crew, and we do this show. You know, we're doing these sets in between Eric G, kind of like, uh, you know, like playing the, the hot, crowd playing going. the hot records. There's like I can't remember the what the records. name of that song was, but it had the dance to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was like this is why I'm hot. This is Mems, right? I think it was Mems. Yeah, it might have been that one hit shit. But we're doing these little mini sets in between the DJ saying kind of keeping it going all night. Two or three songs, maybe. Yeah, and we just keep going up and then coming down, going up, you know, trying to chill with our people. Really not, you know, not feeling the greatest vibes in that place at that point. And I, and some and of I the think it was because it was like one of the, it was like a homecoming for them or something. It was like a, some yeah. party that they that's that's what it was because it was like it was something thing. of that. We made, we're trying to make it out. Are, some of the girls started hollering at us, and uh, I think that's kind of what snapped shit into place. But eventually, um, some during one of the sets. People, some of our crew started jumping off stage. Well, it was uh, so. What happened was during it was I was it was my verse on. I want to say our uh, get your, get Richard Die uh, rhyming number one hit. 
the open case anthem? I think that's what it was. And I just halfway through the verse, I just fucked this because there's some. I was watching this white. <laughs> I was watching this white kid, like I don't know, fifteen people back with two black kids next to him, or you know, like he was in between. He was like, you know, the reverse Oreo or the regular Oreo. Yeah regular Oreo and I could just see him like laughing and like all I could picture in my head was that damn dance these kids were on stage doing like during that song or whatever and I just said fuck this song and I started yelling at the kid I was like you you know what you punk motherfucker and uh, that's when the bottles started flying in chairs and then you guys I just stood on the stage I just stood on the stage while everybody else just ran into the crowd it was great I'm just sitting next to Eric G. He's like, oh, man. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There was a dude that was with us that I know would have probably caught some cases. But he, come to find out, was out in the parking lot smoking crack. (laughs) Who was this? Uh, That that dude, his name was Rick. uh, Oh, Rick. I remember Rick, yeah. He's actually dead now, too. Damn, man. Yep. If all if anybody should be that should be one of us three, man. The crazy shit that we had to go through down there. Well, I didn't smoke any fucking. Crack, no, I mean man. I'm saying off of some. Bi- yeah, I've never. I never put myself through that, man. Some if mushrooms weren't gonna kill me, I was gonna be all right. <laughs> I'm alive. I'm alive because I didn't smoke. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So Ricky's out in the fuck in his car smoking crack because I remember I remember like where's Rick? Where's Rick? Where's Rick? Because we had you know we had the squad with us that. That didn't care about hitting someone with a bottle or a chair or you know shit like that. But they end up cooling the place down. They turn the lights on. I thought we were out of there get, by then, though. I thought we all just booked they, it. They get us out of there. They make us leave, and they gave. Remember, they gave us an escort to the interstate. They're like, <laughs> we are going to escort you. No, I don't remember that. I thought we were just trying to get the hell out of there. No, nah, they escorted us to the interstate. And That's it was like up. we're going to get you there and you go home. Like, and that was it. Okay. And in, in the morning, we had to be like, oh, you know, sorry, Eric, sorry. Uh, yeah, he kind of laughed at eventually. Laughed at it eventually. He was like, uh, that place was fucking whatever. But yeah, the place was lame as fuck. But I wish there was a video of that somewhere. And if it was, uh, you know, a couple of years later, and everyone had their camera phones, man, we got some great footage. I know, man. We have uh, very limited footage of any of that kind of stuff. There are some videos that I haven't seen out there uh, that I haven't got my hands on. Um, I thought somebody said there's a Norwich show video but i got i gotta get a hold of some people and see what the fuck's up there's some sh- some footage show footage that i haven't got but and it's rare uh so i'd like to get my hands on it i got quite a bit but not all of it every time i got a new digital camera some girl one of my ex-girls would come and fucking erase the card because of some you know scandalous pictures so all everything else would have been erased too Just yeah if we had a, if if we had a show there might be one missing show that we don't have, but um, I was pretty good with conser- conserving all that shit. What about the show that we did? What was it like? Uh, it was a rap. I can't remember what it was at um, Electra that we did, but we had like a ton of artists from all over Vermont there. It was like the rap. What the hell did they call that? Oh, you mean rap the vote? Was it? Yeah, it was rap. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah. Were you Were you at that one? Yeah. I didn't think you were. I didn't think you made that show. I did a. I did a set with Stack. Oh okay, oh, okay. And everybody else, I think, but I think I think that might have been my last show. 
Yeah, because everybody was there. Dakota was there. Um, that was all those. That people. was two thousand. That was two thousand eight. And uh, yeah, because they they wrote it up. I had end up. I ended up calling into this fucking I do radio that. show. I, I remember hearing that interview. I remember, yeah, I got it somewhere, but I I ended up going back and forth with this journalist, and uh, and I I said something, and it was probably stupid at the time, but I you know I, you know when you're when you're trying to make hip hop the golden age, you say shit like that, you know. And I made fun of the guy. I said something like, you know, he's like Frank, he's crying because Frank Sinatra isn't cool anymore, or something I mean, like yeah, that. I, I went I mean, on. Times change, man. <laughs> I went off on the guy because he, he wasn't giving hip hop. He didn't really want to pay me any attention. You know, I'm like, you do local artists. Like, we're local artists. We've been around for years and this and that. And then he eventually came and wrote a hell of an article uh, about our show, about yeah. the Rap the Vote show. And I remember the power went down or something. Something fucked up happened with the power. And our show got delayed till really late. And we ended up performing in front of a smaller crowd than we had anticipated. And, uh, the the one of the other groups that came up from maybe Keene or something, New Hampshire, had performed at like the peak crowd, and and then the power went down. People had to wait. People left. We ended up performing for a smaller crowd, and the article was based around that, like the power going out, or but our show still being the best or whatever. Um, but that was like my last hoorah. Like 2008, I had had. Um, we had just finished the Anarchist Rhyme Book album, which um, I'm trying to think of the track list on that one. I had really started to kind of explore, you know, and I, there was it was an eclectic mix on there. There were some songs that I was really trying to match what was going on musically in the genre at that time, and then there was some classic, you know, shit that I wasn't trying to worry about you know, matching what was going on. Yeah, exploring different kind of sound. Both those albums, Get Richard I. Ryman and Anarchist Ryan Book, were, you know, trying to explore and, and blow up, you know, and get famous. But the, uh, the Rap the Vote, that was like around the Obama election, uh, first yes. Obama election. Right. And uh, I was all on board with that. We ended up having, we registered voters at this show. Um, the whole club was uh plastered in in political posters and it was you know in in some way it was like symbolic of kind of where i had almost started you know i i wasn't quite you know when i did the politics albums you know in the beginning of my career and and how much i loved presidents and elections and the whole you know trying to win the popular vote that whole thing was like a theme and it, it's it's symbolic how the end of my career that you know the rap the vote and and there were some records on that anarchist rhyme book that were conscious records too um and ones that uh you know even i think about it now um but the the whole uh divided we stand united we fall right they knocked down a couple buildings then they build a wall this is the new world order you know we put the obama you know uh samples on there whatever um, and we went and our, we all went and talked on the radio. Were you, you were with us, right? We went to the radio station to the interview and we ended up dropping F, we ended up dropping, I think it was an F, F bomb in one of our I don't tracks. remember being at a record, I mean, uh, a radio station. I've got the video of it, so I'll, I'll check the tape I mean, see if you were there. There's but, plenty of things that I could definitely not remember. There's, uh, 
I remember uh, going doing that radio interview to promote the show and the album, and we played some preview tracks, and we had people. I don't coming think I in. was there. I don't think so. We had people coming in the fucking window because Brooke didn't edit out all the swears, and we had people like coming in the window just like doing the cut the neck symbol, like mm-hmm. cut the neck sign, <laughs> and the DJ who's still who's still one of like the biggest DJs in the area ever here uh, was squirming in his fucking seat. Uh, yeah. But yeah, then we did that show, and that was my last last live performance, I believe, it was two thousand eight. Uh, now this is after. I want to say, is that after I do the album release party there? Yeah, but I didn't perform at your album release, did I? I don't think I did. I think I just lounged and maybe you were just up there, and just because I mean the reason why I left the music uh, business or the pursuit of. A music career was because I had my first kid in in 08, January right, yeah. of 08. So you know, at, by November, by October of 2008, you know, uh, my oldest son was uh, shit, seven or eight months old. Yep. You know, at that point, um, and you know, I had to make a choice because you know it wasn't. Uh, I had to fucking transition into something because music was just taking all my time and all my money, and um, unfortunately, I had to, I had to kind of make that decision. Um, I did record um, one more track after the Anarchist Rhyme book. I ended up um, just having like a, a burst of creative energy. I ended up writing a, a couple tracks. I ended up writing a few verses that I ended up giving away, or they ended up in Brooks, like, you know, studio folders and shit like that. And, and uh, Marshall. You talk about ex- like recorded versus just rec- recorded songs right. unfinished songs yeah. songs that were meant for so-and-so to collaborate on you know just verses and song ideas and stuff like that um that ended up on other people's records like years and years after i was done but i ended up collaborating the last song i ever did was a song called troubled mind with uh marshall xp um and it's one of my best tracks you know that i've ever written and it, it's fitting to be my last track ever which is um yeah that, that was the last time i recorded was like 2010 so i shut shut everything down in 2008 to be a dad and and then in 2010 i got a little burst of creative energy and recorded my last song but um and then from 2010 uh i went back and finished my, my bachelor's degree uh, and was a journalist, free, freelance journalist for a while, which was like the, the first thing I wanted to do. Uh, first realistic thing I wanted to do, you know, before hip hop kind of took over my life. And, well, is that what you went to Linden for? Journalism? Yeah. Yep. Journalism. Yep. I, that was what I was studying at journalism. I actually started, started my first semester in television studies. So, so I was in, you know, going to be a fucking anchor man, uh, you know, working TV. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then I switched over second semester and was like, nah, I don't, I don't want to be on TV. Uh, I just want to be a writer. You know, I, I was big into Hunter S. Thompson back then and oh, yeah. big into journal. So like when everything, when all the dust settled from hip hop and I realized that, you know, this is, this has been a fun, fun journey, you know, um, I've had the time of my life, uh, but I've got to do something that I can legitimately do for a, a long time. And journalism ended up not even being it either. I mean, I went and got a, a bachelor's in journalism. I did. I freelance wrote for, you know, worldwide magazines. 
for a few years and newspapers was a newspaper reporter up here. Um, and then eventually I went and got a master's in education and, uh, started working in schools, just started working with youth. Um, and really enjoyed working with kids. And so now let me just ask you this. When, when you went back to school, did you find it like, uh, like for me, I've talked about education as in, I really didn't have my mind into high school. I mean, I do the homework the day of, I didn't study for tests. So I got by with, you know, a C plus average, like, you know, two and a half or 2.1 or whatever the fuck it is. Right. And I, I didn't care. It just didn't care. And when I went to college, I tested out of math because I was good at math, but even then I was still learning what I already did. Like I had already done TV production for two and a half years in high school. You know, I learned all that shit my own. So it was not, I wasn't learning anything. Only thing I was learning now is that, oh, you could put, you can make good brownies with weed in them and mushrooms <laughs> and they got trout river kegs, get fucked up on the weekend. I'm trying to, you know, pound out some broads and stuff. Like I didn't even take it serious. So, but now after, after being out of college, growing up, trying to learn how to be a musician and the in the in and outs of that industry, um, it just fed it made me want to learn more about anything. And so it's driven me throughout my entire life since then to read and watch or hear about it anything that is not a normal thing that I would just be interested in. So I'm, I'm, my question to you is, when you went back to school, did you find it easier to like dive into it and you know be successful and you know get your master's or your bachelor's? Yeah, I mean, all those years that I did hip hop, really, it, it created a work ethic I didn't know I had in me. Because um, you're when you're a hip hop artist, independent hip hop, hip hop, hip hop artist, you're like the you're the label, you're the fucking sound engineer. You're the promoter. You're the artist. Uh, sometimes some of us are beat makers as well. Like right. the amount of work, uh, amount of work I had to do just to be a hip hop artist. You know, school was tits McGee uh, compared to what it's like trying to be an independent artist. Uh, and in school, there's a definite finish line. Whereas being an independent artist, you know, there's most of us don't have a finish line. You know, it's just when when we want to finish, we finish. Uh, there is no real pinnacle. Right. You get as far you get as far as an independent artist, you know, as you know, you choose to most of us that don't get uber famous, you know. But uh, yeah, it was easy because, you know, all I had spent a lot of time as a student of hip hop, so I wanted to know everything about lyricism and hip hop and music, and I had spent many years studying hip hop. So when I had to get down for school, school was easy as shit. Uh, it was just, you know, I had the work ethic I'd already had doing that for years and, you know, making a living and just being productive member of society and having this hobby on the side that required so much time and effort. So by the time I was just a dad and a student, it was fucking easy. Um, and I got, I wasn't a great student in, in high school, uh, but when I went to college after having all those years and as an artist in hip hop, I, I got like straight A's, you know, and everything graduated cum laude, um, with my bachelor's and hey, straight Kool-Aid, A's. Hey, Kool-Aid, cum laude. 
and uh, graduated straight A's in my master's. Um, and you know, and I've been a I've been a teacher for I think the last eight years now. Been a teacher for eight years. Yeah. But you know, so it's people probably don't even believe it. Anyone that uh, you know had had lived through the hip hop era with me or knew me even halfway uh, as it when I was in that phase of my life probably can't imagine me in the classroom as a teacher because they they can't imagine the kind of person uh, that I'm portrayed as being a teacher. Um, but a, a lot of who I you am, just, I didn't have you just use the phrase portrayed as <laughs> portrayed as. Yeah. Okay. I mean, when you think about, you know, my generation, when you think about teachers, you, you, you can't imagine. Oh, oh I'm see, I'm, I'm, I was hearing it from a different angle. I thought you were like how you were portrayed as, as when you were living the life as a struggling musician. Yeah. You can't imagine, you know, the, the person I was then who, you know, at, you know, at being a teacher. Oh yeah, if you um, knew ex- all these, I'm like, like I know it. Then yeah, it's like it's a, it's a, it's, yeah, a, well, it's I, a jump. It's a jump for sure. But it's a jump, yeah. Uh, but who better I've to be a teacher to, though? I'd say. Yeah, I've managed to keep it keep it pretty damn real. I mean, obviously, I'm more I'm a responsible person who doesn't, you know, thug it out at school or whatever, you know, uh, or even. But but I've I've always been responsible, you know person and a logical person uh but you gotta remember we were kids teacher, still though i mean we were kids we were kids time, still so let's, let's just let that know be known but even you know as a teacher i've managed to bring some of those passions right in my classroom now you know i teach kids how to use an mpc and beat make and teach kids how to rap and i'm rapping in my classroom uh you know i'm teaching teaching a lot of my lessons this whole year i did this thing called flocabulary and it's just it's teaching through rap songs and uh yeah it's been you know I, I i keep it real you know i bring a lot of that those things that from that other life into you know who i am now um but uh yeah <laughs> but there's a lot of, there's a lot of lessons to learn from that you know so you get i mean that probably gives you a, a good aid in that process of teaching oh yeah the kids the kids love me too cuz i'm not i'm not what most teachers are which is you know, old, old, you know, like just too adult, you know, I'm not, I'm not too adult. I'm still cool. I come to school in fucking Jordans and, uh, I stay up on <laughs> yeah, fucking bootleg Jordans and, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Like I'm not, Hey, no, Hey, none of your student, unless you're giving these, these links out to your students, they don't know what I'm talking about. Um, no, they don't, they don't, they don't know my Jordan fours or not. <laughs> The, just watch the, the double M&M, stitching watch that double stitching the m&m jordans that only only, only come out of them were yep. Made. yep those are nice yeah they were nice they're all blown out now i, I got bet. the uh i got the, i got the jordan four fears now you know the fear colorways yep black white and gray with the speckled fucking sole on them i got those yeah I got my Air Max 90 boots. But I, so back to the teaching thing, I was just going to say yeah. that it just like anything, you have to evolve, I think. And the way that I think attention spans are now for not just kids, but even adults, you know how it is. Um, I, th- I think you have to make those adjustments to, you know, really get through what you're trying to obtain as whatever you're teaching. That's true. That's true. One of the things I really love about 
being a teacher and I, it fits it fits right in with everything like when you when i was just saying how you know people who knew me before and have known me for a long time couldn't might have a hard time seeing this but um as a teacher i'm on stage every day i have the attention i have the love of you know from my students they love my shit you know like this is like every day is a musical performance for me you know i put on a show every fucking day yep i am like like being a teacher is like a you know having a, a spot in vegas permanent spot oh, in yeah. vegas it's uh so it fits right in i remember the first time uh my first year in teaching uh the first time i got up in front of a class i'm not even shitting you this is how similar the two worlds can be i can't i'm not saying they're mirroring each other or anything like that but the first time i ever had to lead a lesson in front of a room full of students uh i got that whole like first time on stage sick in the stomach yeah yeah sweating sweating gonna break out with the, the sweat shits you know kind of feeling like uh and just nervous as fuck and then got over it just like a hip-hop artist does when they have to do a song in front of everybody and and ever since then it's like nothing i jump in front of fucking five students 20 students a fucking auditorium um but yeah i mean that's that's part of it when i have to sit and take an honest look at it at what i'm doing now and i see the parallels um you know that feed the person that i am you know the fact that you know 20 years ago I was talking to kids on a record and hoping that they could find that those pieces in that record and learn yeah, from it. You're always looking for that um, that one or one or two responses from a song that you make that someone gets what you're trying to get across. Yeah, or they say, you know, this song did this to me. This song, you know, I love this song because of this. You know, I'm trying to reach people through the music, and just now as a teacher, I'm getting that the attention of everybody they're listening to my lessons they're walking away with all these things just like people would walk away you know with with stuff from my album you know like one of the biggest things i try to explain to somebody like if i the longer i get to know somebody even though i'm not doing music you know like i used to or even do it today but you i whatever I went through those accomplishments, those living that dream and that how that still is. It makes who you are. It's like every day it's still part of you. Like it doesn't just leave just because you're not on stage or you're not writing a song or being involved with music on a daily basis or thinking about it on a daily basis. But it, that it's still part of you and still a, a major part of who you've who you are and how you, you know, kind of move throughout the, your life. Yeah. I wish I could say I retained, you know, like the skill, just you know, like <laughs> yes, that you can't, you have to be doing it every day. Can't you can't just jump into it. So it's, it's impossible. Yeah. It's not like a jumper, you know, like we're shooting free throws where you just, you know, and, uh, you know, I've, I've tried over the years cause I've always thought about, you know, if I can make, if I was going to make a record now, um, but I've, I've been, I've been reprogrammed to a certain extent, you know, and I have a bachelor's degree, a master's degree. I've spent all this years being a professional. It's in some other fucking universe other than hip hop. And, uh, the shit I would talk about now, you know, is different. Like I was talking to Jay bus, uh, the other day cause his, his daughter runs, you know, track and field with my boy. 
and I was we were talking about music and I you know I said basically like you know I'm like lyrically I've been lyrically impotent for years yeah. you know like just can't do it uh, or if I did do it I'd be if I'd be corned out of, you know the shit I would say would be stupid you know like it, I wouldn't I wouldn't enjoy it I wouldn't find it cool um, it'd be like dad shit it would be teacher shit it would be you know, one of those, it'd be like a, and I, and I said, you know, if I really wanted to make another record, a problematic record, um, and have it even be representative of what I was going through even close, like a, a sequel to that person who I was, I would have to get, do some grimy shit. I'd have to do some ratchet shit. <laughs> yeah. you, know? you gotta get your hands dirty. To, gotta get your hands I would dirty. have to like, go get a, go get a fucking you know, shitty apartment down in, in Windsor and start I, don't, some shit. I think you could just go to a stoplight in Windsor and probably have some shit pop off still. Maybe. maybe. Is that uh, House of Pizza that's still there, whatever the fuck that place was? Oh, that's that's always there. That's, that's, <laughs> that's what's up, man. That will never die. That's when that's the gem of Windsor right there. Windsor, but man. What a joint. I would I would have to get grimy to even get in that mentality again. Uh, you know, because that when I listen to my old records now from the from where I am now, uh, I, I wonder who that guy was. You know, who was what was that guy going through? You know, what kind of shit would that guy had his back against the wall? And why did why was why was that guy's back against the wall so much? You know, I, I think about that. A lot of it force fed, I will say. Probably. I mean, I know for my my own part, so. But that guy's back was against the wall. That guy was not living uh, as as good as he said sometimes on the records. Sure. And sometimes he was li- he was living worse than <laughs> you can imagine. Yeah. You know, like that that dude didn't have a place to live all the time. That dude, you know, was grinding from meal to meal. Uh, that dude could have had his head bashed in with a fucking baseball bat. That dude, uh, you know should have had more baby mamas than he does already true that uh, that dude that dude had a lot of shit going on man and like i don't have to, anything going on now i mean everything's good now so it's hard to, it's hard to rap from a a place it's hard to rap from the top of the mountain so i mean if i ever if i ever even wanted to think about making another problematic record i would have to get down in the gutter again uh and you never know life life fucking throws shit at you you never know Maybe I'll get to the gutter someday again. And you'll hear prob- you'll hear problematic again, but probably not. Probably the not. ebbs and flows of life, man. We'll see. Maybe I'll get a gambling problem or something. End up in a cardboard box. Yeah, just stay off of that. You'll be all right. <laughs> so but yeah, man. So you have done recently. I thought you were uh, messing around with uh, tr- making beats. Yeah, and I I, based, I started making I started tricking around with it, trying to get my kid into it. Um, my oldest son Cole, he's thirteen, and uh, I got him a, a a beat maker for Christmas one year. Started getting him into that. Um, he's tried to he tries to spit at me, and you know a couple of years ago he was trying to bust some freestyles at me, and I just destroyed him. You know, wow, he <laughs> just took la- it. laid him out. Laid him out, you know, talked about all the shit that he's done wrong and his report, you know, all his, just picked him apart, you know, like eight mile style. So I don't know if he wants to be a rapper anymore. That's a good, good dad right there. But looking at uh, that report card, calling you a rip, not can't say that. <laughs> nah, you can't say that to a special ed teacher. <laughs> but uh, he, uh, so I, I wanted to kind of push him towards because he, he wasn't very good. He's not a very good rapper. Or, you know, he doesn't have it. Not, not but, everybody uh, is. 
he does he does do pretty good beats and i'm like you know that probably a better angle for that's definitely where the money's at you know a, a white dude from from the sticks you know like you might want to make some beats that are dope you know you so he's been doing that yep sorry he's been doing that uh and i ended up bringing beat making and music production into my school because they had no music department whatsoever i am the music teacher at my place i'm also the gym teacher the health teacher and i teach all subjects uh currently not in the new job i'm about to take over but um the music department the at my school for, for the last three years has been hip-hop production i've had kids pounding on beat machines and making drum loops and you know, sampling, chopping samples up and uh, craziness. Uh, so I got back into it mostly for that, not to do anything kind of seriously or chef anything up or sell any beats. Just how we always wanted to fuck around with that shit. Um, and now I have, a, I can bring it into my classroom and people think it's cool. You know, so. Well, it's, it's nice. It's, it's gotta be nice in that way that it's, you know, you're still around it as much as you are. Then. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I still, I'd still listen to hip hop, uh, pretty religiously. A lot of the stuff nowadays though, it's, you know, I listen to it once or twice and I'm like, nah, you yeah, know, nah. there's some artists that I still respect today, but there's not a lot. Um, you know, there's not a lot of guys making shit that I can even enjoy. Yeah, um, it's hard to, uh, sit through one of these top. 40 songs like hip hop list, you know what I'm saying? Or listen like yeah. Sirius XM radio hip hop nation or something like that. When they're just playing all today's top hits, it's like, uh, what happened here? That's rough. Yeah. It's been dumbed down, seriously dumbed down. And I like a couple weeks ago, I heard like, I heard Lord Seer, uh, stand yeah. up, stand up for today's music, you know? And I, I, I knew it was half hearted when he was standing up for it, but I, I understand things got to change or whatever. And, and it, it is, that's what's going on right now. That's what the kids want to hear. But it's honestly, you know, you know it and I know it and everybody else knows it's dumbed down. You know, there are some cats doing some shit that I would, I'm impressed by, like J. Cole, uh, Kendrick Lamar. Did you hear the fucking, the new Wayne, Lil Wayne and Kendrick Lamar track? I Holy didn't shit. hear that. I know that there was a, um, what did I hear Lil Wayne on recently? Probably that one with Nicki and Drake. Oh, that's uh, what it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's a good one, too. I love that verse. When he's like, uh, he goes, uh, what was he like, talking about, he's like, um, oh, that he was a good cat. My bad, dog. <laughs> yeah, he's it's just, a, he's funny how he slides those little things in. His, he's come a long way since, uh, you know. Yes, I remember you used to listen to him back in the Cash oh, Money yeah. days, and I was, always, day. yeah. I was always like, mm, I don't know. I don't know about Mo, man. I don't he's know. A, he was a young kid, man, like 16 years old. You gotta you gotta look up that Kendrick Lamar uh, Wayne track. It's oh, all yeah. about like it's all about setting people up, like using these chicks to set people up and rob them. It's crazy. Nice. It's a crazy song. And Kendrick Lamar does this whole crying shit, this whole crying vocal thing. Yeah, I haven't heard anything from Kendrick in a while. So. Oh my god, I, I heard it on the radio the other day on Sirius, and uh, my I was blown away. I'm just starting to like Little Wayne here and there. Uh, so uh, I'm getting in that. J. Cole, J. Cole's nasty as fuck. Um, there's only a few that I that I get down with today. Most of it, I'm just like, okay, yeah. You know, it's that, I don't know what they want to call it. It's almost that drill scene, like the UK drill shit. <laughs> yeah. Where they spit like three, three or four words, and then in between all the words, they're like, hey, yeah. <laughs> like, it's like the dumbest shit I've ever, I was like, I don't even fucking, I don't know, I don't know how hip hop became 
you know, this shit got through the door. But it's yeah, it's some... just a weird it's a weird sound. I think it's just you know how everything is. It's always a it's. I don't think it's less about how talented somebody is or just the sound that people are looking to hear. Yeah. Like I, I think most people don't even listen to these people what they're saying because I mean when this little when I I think it all went downhill when I heard this little yachty guy. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what is this guy even talking about? Just he's just even saying tw- shit. He's the, just saying shit. It don't mean nothing. Even the Twenty One Savage guy sometimes is all right, but and uh, you know even Drake, you know sometimes Drake really impresses me, and sometimes he doesn't. Right. You know, like he's on, you know, he's on the fritz there. Well, it all depends on if Royce is writing for him. I think that song. And that that last Royce album, I was fucking thoroughly impressed. Oh with yeah, Royce Royce to Five Nines last album. Super impressed. Every once in a while, I hear something good. You no, know? but it happens. But these a lot of these guys like Cole and Kendrick don't do stuff for two years, three years. Yeah, they're not flooding the market. Because why? Gotta, even, why really, do you have to? You have to be really super on top of it. You have to be overly productive. And if as long as you're overly productive, whatever you produce is not doesn't have to be grade A shit. Right. You just got to stay stay doing it. Stay tweeting. It's almost like you know. It's almost like the Twitter game. That's what hip hop is at this point. Like. Definitely have to just have your Instagram on. story going, and yeah, everything's got to be right. Yeah, you got to have your you got to have your Instagram story. TikTok. I would I wouldn't I wouldn't mind to see like what we could have done with all the tools that they have today, you know. Yeah, like I mean. where what we could have pushed things because right now it's not even you know you got to have more than just an album. You have to have a video for every song you make in the upper echelons of shit. I'm not saying even in just Vermont, like if you look at Vermont's hip hop scene, I know you probably don't keep track of it too much. Um, but there's a lot of music videos that is like, like do it with your phone, you know that? I mean, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can edit it on your phone. You can record it on your phone. Um, I could barely send a dick pic back then, you know, it could take five <laughs> hours to upload that thing. Not saying anything thank, about the size of my dick. I'm just saying. <laughs> just... Thank the Lord I couldn't. Say anything, <laughs> my oh, shit man. would be out. I think I think about that every time. I was like, man, if I was in high school and I had a cell phone that took pictures, man, God, my dick. Man. Everybody I went to school with would have seen my dick. Yeah. <laughs> no mysteries here. Thank God. <laughs> so another when you you, you were talking about how uh, you did guiding, uh, f- fishing trips like. Uh, or camp, doing camps or something like that? Yeah, that's how I got into teaching, basically. So uh, even before I was even done with music, I started to get into fly fishing. Fishing was like a like a escape for me. Yeah, I never know? saw like, you fly fish. I just remember you taking me a few times down past like somewhere in Heartland, and we used to fish like trout or something like that. Yeah. I'd always been, I'd always done fishing and it always been like a therapeutic escape for me, even when I was doing hip hop full-time hardcore. Um, and then eventually I just got bored with it and I saw, I saw fly fishing as this thing that you could just keep getting really good at. Like there's fly fishing, there's fly tying, there's all this. And I, I, I did it for quite a few years too. Did professional guiding that made a ton of money. Like two or three weeks ago, I did a, a three-day trip and i took home like 1800 bucks man yeah and i I like one day i worked like eight hours and then uh 
the two the next two days I worked like four hours a piece. Took home almost two grand. So are those like uh, you just uh, walk to it, or are you on on the water? Or, oh well, you I mean you got the gear, right? I mean the uh, what do they call those? The waders. Yeah. So I did uh, what I did last week or a couple weeks ago was uh, I did a fly fishing school. So they taught them how to cast, taught them how to tie all the knots, taught them how to uh, did fly tying. So they tied their own flies. And then the next two days they went out and used all that shit that they learned in the school uh, on the water. And uh, yeah, it was a fucking. So how did you man. learn that stuff? Uh, I was self-taught for the most part. Just like um, YouTube videos? Yeah. Uh, well, eventually YouTube videos. Uh, when YouTube. Or are you, re- just, are you like picking up books? Books, man. Yeah, started oh, shit, started huh? with books. Started with books, yeah. When my son, my first son was born, I all of a sudden, you know, here I am just sitting around, uh, you know, watching a baby sleep, changing diapers, making sure he doesn't smash his head, like stuck at home, you know. Uh, so I started reading books about fly fishing. Uh, and that's how I ended up going out west every year and just falling in love with being out west and all that shit was reading all those fly fishing books and learning how to tie flies and shit just a lot of time stuck at home and uh and then a lot of time fishing and became a fresh professional guide for a fly shop in the area and then ended up doing it on my own um i still do it i don't like to do it anymore because basically I, I work so hard as a teacher that when i get any free time i just want to fucking relax right <laughs> so but sometimes the money's good like when someone says you know i'm gonna make two thousand dollars next week like yeah i do it but Oh, I yeah, like absolutely. I, I uh I first I decided to become a teacher after I started working these youth fly fishing camps and it's up in this uh Groton State Park place and you go up I would go up there a week at a time for like three weeks every summer and I'd live at this like fucking lodge, right? When they cook for you, like garden fresh salads, like oven roasted shit out of the fucking kiln out back, like oh, up nice. in the wilderness, like it was beautiful yeah beautiful. i've been camping out in groton before last couple this of years. wasn't this was living that like a, a fucking bed and breakfast basically oh that's nice yeah we were on like a uh one of the ponds or something like you have to canoe out to probably kettle pond probably kettle pond was pond. it that was kettle pond yep. yeah so i spent years up in there and after the first year i worked at that camp i i when i came back that summer i was actually unemployed and uh I said I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go work in schools. So I, I started my master's in education and went and spent my first year in school. That's amazing. Just amazing. Yeah. And I'm glad I did. I don't know what the fuck I'd be doing now. Freelance freelance journaling was not a uh, not fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet. You know the, the the magazine game is is funny, right? So like you have like your monthlies, your quarterlies, you know. Um, publications and so if i ended up getting an article in a quarterly uh they might pay me like fifteen hundred dollars right but they have to wait until the quarter closes so i write the article it goes i could go into bam or you know whatever barnes and noble bam whatever and i I can pull the magazine off the shelf and read my story i still haven't got a dime for it right and like at the end of the quarter that business closes their books to figure out how much they made on the magazine. And then they pay out all the people that contributed to the magazine. So you write an article, you know, it was funny cause I, you know, I was renting this big house at the time and I was before I started teaching 
actually, I was still, I, I think I just started teaching too. I was still doing this, but uh, I would tell my landlord, like, listen, I will pay, you know, the next three months of rent <laughs> in three months. <laughs> you know, <laughs> So I'd be waiting for checks in the mail. And even my newspaper was like that too. When I, I was a, a journalist at the newspaper, they, that was even a crazier deal. They would pay me by the print inch. So like when they published a story in the paper, they would take a ruler out and measure that shit. And my rate was based upon, you know, how many inches the fucking story took up in the newspaper. Yeah. So, you know, I'd be waiting for checks in the mail from the magazines. And then I'd try to write the fluffiest fucking stories for the newspaper, uh, to get a bigger, (laughs) to fill out a bigger section of the, the actual paper. So that was what being a journalist was like for me. So what uh, so, what articles are you writing about? I mean, what what kind of themes are you doing? Just anything. So the newspaper was all reporting, you know, various things, various, you know, stuff that happens in the state and stuff that happens in, you know, the specific town. Are you picking Are you picking these topics? Uh yeah, a lot of them, yeah. Okay. So like old school on the scene kind of shit, you know, calling people, just poking my nose around, making phone calls, trying yeah. to like chase the news you know it's not as old school as it used to be and you know but it's uh and sometimes they give you a lead they say all right we want you to go talk to this fucking this church that just got renovated or you know this person who just bought this building and ask them what they're gonna their plans are to turn what are they gonna turn it into or you know go sit in on this town meeting or you know just a bunch of shit like that and then the magazines i wrote for were actually fly fishing magazines so I would I would have relationships with a couple different publications and they would be like, all right, so usually in the spring we need this kind of story and this kind of story. So I would have to stay ahead of the game and have a story that on I deck. knew they would want on deck for the coming season or the coming month. Uh, so you'd have to you might have to write that story in August, the August before the August that you were gonna get paid for it. Yeah. So I got, you know, shit that I never even sold. So you're really, you really are just, you're bartering your writing too. And you're doing all the photography and all that kind of shit. But the worst part's waiting for those checks in the mail. I can imagine. It's not yeah. like, Especially it's not like, you know, it's not like we, we love this story, man, here, you know, like send it over, we'll send you a check. Like that's not how it works. And I'm sure that's just the same way in the book game too. Like you get a, your, your book gets published. Maybe oh, you get some money up front. I'm sure you get an your, advance of some sort, all depending some on kind your of level advance. of writing. Yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, not just that, but how popular you are, probably. So that, you know, being a journalist ended up being another one of those things that was just a hobby (laughs) in the end, you know. I ended up having to get a real job, which I I absolutely love teaching. And I I take it to the same seriousness as I did everything else. You know, I want to be the fucking best. I want to be the most loved teacher. The the greatest at what I do. Um, And I... I still, you know, I'm humble where I don't, I don't want, don't want to parade for this shit. Uh, cause I, I love, I love teaching. Like I love music. Um, I really believe it's an art form, you know? Well, how, how many other teachers do you know have the same drive and aspirations do you do now is what your, my, my question is. We'll see. I mean, uh, the new school that I, uh, I'm just, I'm joining now is basically this area is like, Lakers like I'm joining the Lakers all right so the school I was at was like the fucking Episcopalian church team (laughs) struggling 
Yeah, uh, and I was I was king there. You know, I could have I could have been the director of that place, basically the principal um, of that place if I wanted to. Um, but I don't I don't want to be a principal. So, but the place that I I'm at now, they they literally have been just poaching every good teacher from around the area. The finest gym teachers from schools that I used to work at are now there. Like they're just like the fucking all-star team so we'll see what happens to me um i won't be a big fish anymore but i'll be working towards it and this uh this is the same school where you uh were the star running back yeah where i went to high school man my, my name's still up on the track and field record boards and hell of a runner i still uh echo through the annals of the halls there uranus yep. <laughs> still a, a coach they you know coach basketball football there yeah it's it's a good deal it's a good deal there well it's just an amazing story it's been just i mean something i never imagined we would be, we would actually talk about in a podcast form ever because we haven't talked for a long time but it's been a wonderful journey just to go back and forth and reminisce on all these stories and the paths that we've taken. But I do want to ask you, I don't want you to go into it now, but I'd like to do another podcast about, um, you know, like the mysteries of uh, the Heartland, like the kind of kind of weird stories, you know, some serial killer yeah. possibly kind of stuff, you know. Did you find that, that book I was telling you about? you end up reading that book no oh well, oh I mean, shit there was uh before we talk about serial killers i mean we're not talking was, about it tonight but yeah yeah okay there was one finish up give the one, give the people something to think think about there was one thing from the beginning of my uh music journey that you probably don't remember off the top of your head but i do so when i made my first album scars life in the rear view um, and we were talking about your first album and how raw and rough it was and how hard it must be to listen to at oh, this yeah. point, yep, yep. you know, and scars was that for me. Like, for instance, I don't have scars on the internet anymore. Like I'm, you know, I might put that up there just cause I don't give a fuck anymore. And I just, you know, want people to understand. No one will ever you know, the, hear my, no, my first album unless I left them here. <laughs> <laughs> the alpha omega of things. Maybe I put my first album out there, but at the time when I made my first album, I thought it was the shit, right? I thought it was the shit. Um, but I, I ended up, I was friends with this girl, um, who she was, she, she, her and I were kind of romantically involved. It was a one-sided thing, but not, not this really. This guy says romantically involved. Yeah. I wouldn't say she was, she wanted, she wanted the D, right? Okay. Yeah. She wanted the D in high school. I never gave her the D, but, uh, I thought we were just friends and she went rabid for the D, but we ended up staying friends, right? You know, after I denied her the D, we ended up being friends and, uh, she ended up moving away and, uh, she ended up, she's, she ended up hooking up with John Forte. Oh, I don't know if you I know the story. story. I know the story. Oh yeah. So I'm at my mama's house and I think this is, this might even be, it might be a little bit after I met you maybe. This, yeah, yeah. No, it, it must've it's, been. It's before you uh, came up to Williston. That's for sure. Yeah. Cause I had, I had my first record already done and I left school to make my first total record but i'm at my mama's house right now wait let me just ask you for my own thing this isn't uh, a friend of our sister right is that not no that's a different person okay different person yeah 
Um, this girl, this girl's, I won't even mention, I won't mention her name or no, nothing. No, yeah, yeah, that's, that's all right. She, uh, she ended up marrying, surprise, surprise, she ended up marrying a Jamaican dude and having a couple uh, kids with a Jamaican John dude. Forte, grab the microphone, sway this way. <laughs> a lot more than just a rama. Oh, just a small man. Put up the game, reach out, a little kind of. That's great. Uh, but she, yeah, she's a teacher too, and I ended up working with her years later, right? And uh, she got big old booty now, but that's besides the point. Um. So she's then, she ends up like fucking John Forte, right? So she's banging John Forte. He's like hanging out with her. She's like at his at his house or something like that, right? And he, I think at the time, he's on house arrest because he had just he had like two chicks like stuff some like ounces of like coke up their ass or their pussy or something like that, and it wasn't her. It wasn't this chick. But he's on house arrest, right? And she's chilling at his house. And she calls me from John Forte's house, right? And this is this this is fucking hilarious, right? <laughs> so I end up I'm like, let me talk to John Forte. Let me talk to John Forte. Let me talk to John Forte. So I'm on the phone with John Forte, and I'm like trying to promote my record, you know, my first record, Scars, right? I think I played I played him some shit over the phone, spit some shit for him, and he was cool. He wasn't disrespectful. He didn't, you know, say fucking homie you got some work to do or you know and he was was nice he was really nice he didn't put me in a just, just some random kid on the phone <laughs> just some random I'm like white call Vermont, somebody Vermont else man woman. i'm out of here yeah i mean but he was he was cool with this girl and i think they're still cool or something you know but um so i end up spitting bars for him right and and i'm like you know can you can you do something for me you know like <laughs> i'm like can you help me out here right and he was basically like, yeah, nah, yeah, nah. He's like, nah, man, I'm working with this artist right now, you know, um, kind of got putting all into this artist right now. And this is like 2003, maybe 2002. No, no, this is like 2001, something like that. Oh, yeah, definitely Real 2001, early. yeah. Like 2001. And this guy goes, yeah, I'm working with this, I'm working with this cat, Saigon. And I'm like, fuck Saigon, you know, like, I'm like, yeah, fuck that shit. Like, I, I got what you need. Like, I, I'm the next thing, you know. I totally dissed Saigon to John Forte. I was just like, fuck this shit, you know. And then, and then the girl talked to me later, like, what'd you guys talk about? What'd you say? What'd you say? I'm like, oh, he says he's working with this dude, Saigon. And uh, I end up becoming, like, a decade later, I end up becoming, Big like, a stand. huge Saigon. Big stand. Huge, huge Saigon <laughs> fan, man. Because the guy's amazing. Oh, you yeah. Know? He's one of the one of the best of that era you know definitely that was like the that was like the last greatest era in hip-hop in my opinion the saigon papoose like those guys are different in their area though you know joel joel ortiz man like they were in the forefront and that that mib shit you were talking about before that shit was in the back where a lot of the shit today belongs to but besides the point but it was it was just funny to me thinking years later you know john forte telling me that he, he ain't got no time for me because he's working with saigon who the fuck saigon you know? that's amazing i forgot i left that story out but that's one of those those the john forte stories. story i thought it was some i thought there was a story about it someone was all coked out but it was i guess the the coke i mean the coke was the story because the probation he got caught at the airport with two chicks <laughs> we made stuff like massive amounts of coke he did many he did years for that shit yeah and uh, he ended up being on a song with Saigon, I think called Endangered Species or something like that, where he, where Saigon in the intro says, my man John Forte is locked up. He's doing hello crazy years for this and that. Rah, rah, rah. Oh, yeah, mandatory minimums, man. Yep. 
But yeah, I wanted to add that little tidbit in there. Yeah, I totally forgot. I mean, I've I always know the Forte store. I just I didn't. I mean, we've been like six hours long, you know, in these interviews. So, yep. I didn't want to forget that one. Yeah. So I've been uh, had people listening to the podcast along the way, and I'm asking them like, did I leave anything out? Did I forget anything? <laughs> well, I and, uh, there were a couple a I couple people that bit, but... a couple people that were surprised about a few things, you know. But you well, know, I mean... we give them that insight. That you, know, uh, you know, I was deep in it with you, so I, you know, I got a little bit more. I get a little insight to give, let the people know a little extra. I'm not afraid Hell to yeah. ask the tough questions. Well, so, my man. So uh, I, I want to say, so people, I'm. We are going to do another podcast with Problematic, Mister Rafus, about some little uh, possible serial killer in Vermont action from a time that we weren't around shit was in my backyard man a couple of my couple of my backyards couple of your backyards i know so we'll get into that next time i want to say again it's been a pleasure i'm glad we got to do this and uh you know we'll definitely always stay in touch now and um i wish i could have took that trip for you i hope you enjoy that trip to uh maybe montana go, maybe Wyoming. uh yeah we're going to yellowstone for seven days and then we're gonna go down to Wind River Range, and we're gonna hike up in this fucking crazy barren wasteland area to some alpine lakes. Uh, I'm still trying to figure it out because we're gonna have to go pay some Indians. We have to go pay some tribal fees. Well, they cross. They deserve the, some fees for what these goddamn crackers did to them. <clears throat> yeah, these crackers are gonna go on the reservation. <laughs> Suck up go. some more nutrients. Yep. Yep. That's where we're headed. And I so that is uh, a, a little dry out there right now, no? I, I guess so. I mean, it's not hot like you said it was going to be hot. It's not hot. It's just dry. Yeah, I just. But get, it's like uh, that area is like the tail end of all the dryness. It's the Pacific Northwest that's unusually fucking dry. Okay. Um, that plate Yellowstone's dry all the fucking time, anyways. Yeah, it's got. Part. You ever been in one of those like uh, was a hot, like the hot springs where the clay pops up? Yeah, I mean they're everywhere out there. I mean, shit, I ain't. I mean, I ain't been out there. You can you can fall into one. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, they, yeah, you're selling me real good on this, man. But there's this one place we go down in the canyon, and uh, the water out there, like right now, is like the temperature of the water in the rivers, like here in like March. Okay. So it's like brisk. you know 40, 40 fucking two degrees or something like that. The water temperature is so like you're not swimming in swimming holes without you know some pain but in this one place we go into the we go in the grand canyon in the yellowstone there's all these bubbling pots along the edge of that river yep so like the first five to six feet on the edge of the river is like 70 80 degrees and then if you go out just another foot you're in like 40 degree water water wow it's interesting like there's all steam pouring out of everywhere fucking petrified everything everywhere like it's like hell on earth man out there but, but it's it's not as dangerous as it sounds well, okay. it's well, yeah i mean so how many angry. trips total have you done now uh this will be my fifth i think it's like angry angry earth out there really interesting shit so what's on the uh, is it a reservation are you going to yeah we're going south of yellowstone to uh there's a shoshone and i think 
Arapaho, maybe? I think you said Slapaho. I'm sorry. Arapaho. I'm, I, I can't remember the second second tribe's name, but Shoshone. Um, it's a Indian reservation. Just I've never been on one. I've been through Indian reservation land. There's a bunch out in New York, but I've never been to like legitimate where like you can't go. Like out there, you can't go on reservation land. You have to pay to be able to go there, just to be there. They have their own stores, their own cops, their own oh, laws, yeah. their own radio stations. Like it's insane. I've never seen it. I'm excited. Yeah, different to see laws it. too on the reservation, right? Yep. Yeah, their own law, their own cops, everything. Uh, the laws aren't that much different. It's not like they're savages, you know. Like they allow this, they <laughs> yeah. don't. You know. <laughs> well, it, it wouldn't laws, be the first time a white mirror, man called them savages, but no, their laws mirror our laws pretty pretty well. No, I was just saying the that they, they have their they, own. They, they do their own law. They have their own system. They yeah, you like, get in trouble. You get in trouble. You got to go talk to the elders. Like you the know, local sheriff's to, not coming through to help you out. They have sheriffs and stuff like that, you know. But he, he's going to bring you. You know, to the elders. No, <laughs> like, I'm saying like the local shit, like the sheriff and whatever. No. The fuck. Yeah, there's not, they don't, they have the jurisdiction kind of thing. Yeah, there might be for like things like homicide, maybe. Yeah, if, who's going like to tell? Who's going to tell? Yeah. I'm locking up the Jeep. I'm headed in. All right, it was good to get this finished finally. And uh, like I said, have a good trip. I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely, man. Stay right. stay tuned for the pictures, bro. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. No doubt about that. I'll, I'll send some on the, uh, on the Twitter for the people alright man alright brother be good peace out I'll holla you ain't cool you ain't ready for war you ready to rap you ready to talk